This Three Beards Media Podcast may contain mature themes. And if you're not down with that, we got three words for you. Like the podcast. Nailed it. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode five of the Hawks Eye View. My name is Drew Shipley, along with my co-host, as always, Andrew Barber. Cyhawk Week is here, Andrew. How are you doing tonight, man? I am doing well, Drew. Thank you for asking. Yeah, Cyhawk Week is here. We're kind of on the downswing now, and we're almost getting ready for Saturday. Is there anything that you're really looking forward to with this game? I'm looking forward to consistency on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, like we kind of discussed on the post-game in- instant reaction, which you could probably barely hear me, and I apologize to our, our fans out there. I was at the watch party uh, doing doing the podcast from a, a different location. Uh, we will do it from home from now on. But, uh, no, I want to see more consistency on offense. I want to see that the first 10 to 15 plays, like I said in the post-game, be just as good all the way through first quarter through fourth quarter. So consistency on offense, I don't know how much we'll see of that with Cade McNamara and his continuous injury, which we now know will be lingering all season long. Um, At least in my opinion, it'll be lingering all season long. There's no amount of rest that we could give him that will be close to 100%. But an 80% Cade McNamara is better than 100% Spencer Petras. That's all I know. And uh, I want to see the consistency on offense. Defense will take care of itself. Yeah, he is something less than 100% at this point. Um, what I'll say is uh, I think it's beneficial for Iowa fans to subscribe to Hawkeye Insider. Uh, our friend David I. Colt over at Hawkeye Insider and Sean Bach do great work. And they also have the leader of the Swarm, who is a contributing member of the website and provides some useful updates as well. I think uh, I don't want to spoil anything because I think there's some information regarding the Cade injury behind the paywall. Uh, I don't want to spoil anything on this podcast. So um, not anything groundbreaking or earth shattering like affecting playing status, but I thought it was a, a good note. Uh, I'm not going to, you know, leave. I'll say it's positive news. How positive that's up to you if you want to go get your VIP subscription and read it. Whether or not, I'm sure that news will leak out anyways over Twitter, but I'm not going to be the one to leak it. But it's a it's a positive update. I will give you that much, so I won't leave you Hawk fans in the dark. But again, beneficial to sign up for 247 Sports. I don't want to constantly plug someone else's show, but... Um, he, he, they, was our first, he was our first guest, and he will come back. Yeah, absolutely, and he he does great work. Him and Sean Bach do great work over there. So, um, yeah, I think another thing that I'm just looking forward to is we talked about the offensive line 
on Saturday in our post game, and neither one of us were super impressed. Um, Pro Football Focus came back with their grades of the Iowa offensive line, and the pass blocking grades were actually pretty darn good um, for across the board. And rewatching some of it and looking at the grades, listening to some other analysis from some other podcasts and things. I think I would agree with that. I would agree the run blocking was overall not where it needed to be at all. Um, and the pass blocking was pretty good. There was an actual clean pocket for Cade McNamara to step into. He didn't have to do a whole lot of, he didn't have rushers instantly in his face. It felt like there were pass rushers instantly in Petrus's face last year. Um, some of that's on the offensive line, right? Some of that's on the quarterback himself. I think Cade McNamara can make an offensive line look good by just how quickly he makes his reads and gets the ball out. But anyways, I think that is uh, kind of just where I'm at and a thing that I want to see. Uh, so with that being said, I think it's time to go to our favorite segment of every week now, and it's time to go behind enemy lines, so to speak. And with us tonight, we have Coach Dan McCarney joining us. So welcome in, Dan. Uh, everybody knows you. You coached at Iowa. You played at Iowa. You coached at Iowa State. Uh, you had stops at South Florida, Florida, and North Texas as a head coach as well. Assistant head coach in the South Florida and Florida case. But thank you for joining the show. And we just wanted to know, what are you up to these days? How's life? Are you Are you enjoying things? What's going on? Yeah. First of all, guys, great to be with you. I don't know about some enemy. I don't know what the hell that's all about. But <laughs> but uh, I, I, I tell you this much: um, I'm enjoying every day. Um, America comes alive when college football starts, as you guys know. Um, it's a pretty important game in Ames, Iowa, this week. I got to coach in 25 of those games. Iowa Iowa State games. Uh, incredible rivalry. Um, but um, I. I the, the great thing about it, even though I'm not coaching these days, I get to stay in touch with so many of my guys, lots of guys that I coached with, a lot of guys that were on my staffs are still coaching in college football and the NFL. And to follow those teams is just really, really cool. And then I figured this out in recent years. I guess I never understood this when I was coaching for a half a century. That damn tailgating stuff's pretty good, guys. That's, that's a lot of fun when you get a chance to go out and tailgate and be with the fans and be around uh, all these people that love their schools and love their football teams. So it's pretty exciting right now and uh, uh, great to be with both of you. You know, I've seen you at a couple of them there in uh, Grandview outside of Williams Stadium, Coach, dressed to the nines, uh, supporting Coach Woodley out there. Yeah, JoJo is one of my favorites. Obviously, I go way, way back with the Woodley family. Uh, while Mike Woodley was an All-American up in Northern Iowa, a couple years ahead of me at Iowa, I was playing at Iowa. And, and uh, then we hooked up. We were graduate assistants at Iowa. Um, when, I, when, I, when I took the job at Iowa State, um, I'd always stayed in touch with Woody. He was at Osage. He was at Des Moines Valley. Um, he was over with Linda Bluter over in, in uh, the Quad Cities over there. Um, I just always had great respect for him. And I, I remember going up and uh, Woody's wife, Betsy, when I was out recruiting, I stopped through Osage one time. She fixed this big old 
rump roast as you do in Iowa. Nobody does it like Iowans when it comes time for a big old roast. She made one of those big meals. And here were these three little guys running around like little rats, the little Woodley boys. And they're rolling and they're roughing each other up and they're punching each other and they're wrestling. And it was like, it's a real, what a surprise it is that they've all been real successful in life. They've all been in athletics. Uh, they're real competitive. They're all winners. They're all really good athletes themselves. And uh, Joey was uh, one of my captains at Iowa State, one of my favorite guys I've ever been around. And no surprise, guys, that he's taken Grandview to this incredible uh, – what he's doing is sustaining what Mike, his dad, did at Grandview, national championships, NAIA, one of the top five, top ten teams in the country every year. And it's it's really fun. And I'll, and I'll say this, and then I'll shut up here, but – I was asked to come back and speak to the Iowa High School Coaches Clinic in February. Uh, it's come a long ways uh, from the old days when there was two or three or 400. Uh, we're down there outside of Des Moines, and uh, there were 1,600 coaches. And one of the really cool things, guys, was I had 23 of my former players that played for me at Iowa State, including Joe Woodley, that are all coaching now in the state of Iowa, giving back to the state of Iowa, giving back to the game, that was so good to them. And when you see these guys and their maturity and their success and their class and their character and, and how driven they are, it's just really, really cool. Uh, Cause when I got them uh, out of high school, obviously they were still in that maturation period and trying to grow up. And that's one of the things I really miss as a coach, turning these little boys into grown ass men and helping them get there. And that's one of the things I really miss. That's fantastic coach. Those stories never get old enjoy them a lot. Uh, we have uh, first through fourth downs here. So basically four main questions and we'll play off from, of them from there. Uh, as you know, it's Cyhawk week. Uh, we're just kind of interested in knowing what life lessons and football preparation quirks you learned from coach Fry that you took to Ames with you. Yeah. I mean, there's so many of them guys. Um, you know, my gosh, the, the program was so bad for so long. I grew up in Iowa City, Iowa, used to sneak into the games when I was five and six and seven years old because the only security they had were snow fences around Kinnick Stadium. So it was easy to jump over those. And um, I just dreamed of someday getting a chance to play for the Hawks, figuring there was no chance of that. Well, lo and behold, I ended up uh, getting recruited and uh, got a lot of opportunities. I did sign the Big 8 letter of intent, uh, conference letter of intent with Iowa State, Johnny Majors and Jackie Sherrill. Spent a lot of time in Iowa City, not because I was anything special, um, but I think a lot of it was my dad was the chief of police in Iowa City, and they wanted to get in there and, and get somebody out of Iowa City, somebody out of eastern Iowa. But uh, in the end, I decided to go to Iowa. No regrets. Loved it. But I had a great uh, respect for both schools, both Iowa and Iowa State. And uh, you learn so much. And so you go through all these years. You, you give so much to the game. You want to give back. You love Iowa you appreciate it. You respect the game. You respect the integrity of the game. You respect the Iowa Hawkeye program. They put on, you know, the Iowa fight song comes on, the, the goosebumps all across the top of your neck and down your shoulders and down your arms. And yet we got our ass kicked for years and years and years. And lo and behold, Hayden Fry came in and gave me this opportunity along with Bernie Wyatt to stay at the University of Iowa. Um, and when we went to the Rose Bowl in 1981, that was the first bowl game, as you guys probably know, since 1959. Now, think about that for a second. 1959 was the last bowl game. 1981 was the next bowl game. You talk about a drought, an embarrassing 
uh, many, many seasons of, of losing. And what I witnessed was a lot of guys that gave their all, but the revolving door was always moving. Coaches coming and going, players coming and going. And it took a guy that came in and said, this is the way we're going to do it. Um, I, 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 I may uh, think outside the box a little bit. And that was one of the really cool things. One of the first meetings I was with Coach Fry, I remember him saying, um, we're, we're going to be different. We're going to be special. Um, you can't put a great value on great leadership, but you can put a face on it. I'm going to be the leader of this whole thing. You follow me and we're going to do some great things here. Um, and, and when he said scratch where it itches, I'm looking around, I'm going, I never heard that before. What the hell's that mean? Scratch where it itches. You know what that meant? We're going to do things differently. We're not going to be like Bo Schembechler and Woody Hayes. We're not going to just slam at you offensively. We're not just going to get an eye formation and roar at you. Um, we're going to spread it out. We're going to do things that maybe haven't ever been done before. And he was so special. He was just unbelievable. And I don't want to speak to the other guys, but I know this is true, guys, okay, from the inside. Not one of us, not one of us would ever had a chance to be a head coach. Barry Alvarez, Bill Snyder, myself, Kirk Ferentz, Bobby Stoops, Brett Bielema, uh, uh, Mark Stoops, Mike Stoops. None of us would have ever had a chance to be head coaches if it hadn't have been for Hayden Fry and the opportunity they gave all of us. But it was blaze new trails. Don't worry about what the past has. The past has nothing to do with this. He was a maverick. He was a trailblazer. Be unique in our style. Uh, give all the Hawk fans hope. Give them hope when there's been none for over two decades. And that's what he did. And and uh, and yet he always let us know, too, there was no – hey, let me tell you something, guys. Uh, he wouldn't uh, just put his arm around you and you, uh, love you. You're a great guy. We always knew there was a long line of guys that wanted to come to coach at Iowa. So he always said, listen, get your job done. Be a great coach. Be a great recruiter. Take care of your guys off the field or don't let the door hit you on the ass on the way out of here. And we always knew that. So he was hard to coach with and coach for. He was very demanding. But we all learned from that. And uh, what a special guy. I miss him so much. I stayed in touch with him through the years after we were both um, you know, a, a, a long ways from each other, but left this legacy and this in, indelible um, imprint uh, at Iowa football for many, many decades and many generations to come. Thank you so much for just sharing some of those memories because for a, a younger guy like myself, I know of Hayden Fry. I have a, a few memories, right, from my early childhood, but it's just so cool to hear you talk about him and uh, because you knew him so well and just glad, really glad to pick your brain on that coach. Um, just very appreciative for that. So with it being Cyhawk week here on, on second down now, uh, we've, we've transitioned a little bit, but uh, you said you've been a part of 25 Cyhawk affairs uh, as a coach, maybe more as a player. Right. Um, but with that being said, What's been your favorite memory, either as a player or a coach, from any of those rivalries? Just what are some of the cool stories that you can share with us from any of those rivalry games? Yeah, I mean, um, unfortunately, I, I never got to play in an Iowa State game because um, it, it, I graduated in the spring of 1975. Um, the, the rivalry was renewed in 1977, um, so I missed it by two years. Um, and I was there um, at, at 1977. I was a part-time coach at Iowa with Bob Cummings, Tom Hayes, who went on to an illustrious career 
um, coached at UCLA, coached at Texas A&M, coached in the NFL, uh, had, had these inc- many, many jobs. He and I were both part-time coaches with Bob Cummings when we played for the first time in 40 years. And I'll never forget it. It was like it was last week. The intensity, the emotion, the passion, um, the, the stuff that went on before that first game in Iowa City, it was unbelievable. I mean, just unbelievable. We hadn't played the game in 40 years, guys. How stupid is that and how ridiculous is that and how dumb is that that these two great major universities, great schools in the state of Iowa hadn't even played the game. And we finally renewed them, and uh, it was an ABC game. And uh, we, we ended up winning. Iowa won that day 12 to 10. Uh, Iowa State went on with, with uh, Earl Bruce that year and had a really, really good football team and won eight games and went to a bowl game. We sure didn't do that at Iowa. But we drew the line in the sand that first time that we played in 40 years at the University of Iowa. We won that game. It was a great game, phenomenal game. Um, and then, um, obviously, things didn't work out with Bob Cummings. Hayden Fry came in. Um, he he uh, got a couple of great wins. And then Iowa State went on a, a run with Donnie Duncan and ended up beating us three years in a row, including the 1981 Rose Bowl season. We had Nebraska the, the first week of the season after they'd beaten us by about 50 points in Lincoln, Nebraska the year before. We beat them 10 to 7, had an incredible victory, unbelievable win, one of the great wins I'd ever been associated with one week. The next week, we go to Iowa State and they took us behind the woodshed and kicked our butts and won the game. Then we came back and played Dick Vermeil and the UCLA Bruins the next week, end up beating them in the top 10. Um, but I just had such great respect for this rivalry and for this thing. But anyway, we went on in many of the games once Hayden got going and really we really got rocking and rolling at the University of Iowa. Many of the games were not even close. They weren't even competitive. They were humiliating. They were embarrassing for Iowa State. They were great for us as Hawks. Loved them. So much fun. I remember when you were over against Jim Kreiner in, in Ames, Iowa, we're in there at halftime going, okay, keep the focus. Keep the focus. you got to stay. You, you have to. We have to be tough in the second half and don't take anything for granted. We're up by 35 or 38 points at halftime, and they're looking at all of us like, you coaches are nuts. This game is over because there were so many mismatches and ugly wins, uh, for uh, uh, ugly uh, games for Iowa State, but great wins for the Hawks. And then I ended up going to Wisconsin with Barry Alvarez. We went from 1-10 and 10 to 10-1. and 1. We won the first Rose Bowl in 100 years because of the success of that program, just like because of the success at Iowa. I got a chance to be a head coach, took over the job at Iowa State. Um, first three years, we got our butts beat um, after losing. And, and that, that contributed to the 15 years of losing, which it's a rivalry. No, it's not. When one team just keeps embarrassing the other team 15 years in a row, there ain't no day of rivalry now. And finally, we had a football team in 1998, put their foot in the ground, put the, uh, 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 I said, listen, we're going we're, we're gonna to see if we can turn this thing around and make it a rivalry again. We we're almost 30-point underdogs. We won 27-9. to nine, And from that day forward, we end up winning six of the next nine. I went six and six as a head coach at Iowa State. Um, it's a rivalry now, guys. And, and I'm telling you, if those things hadn't happened years and years and years ago, there's no way that college game day goes to Iowa City or Ames, Iowa for the Iowa State-Iowa game. It's a great rivalry now. It's just so much fun to be a part of. But um, 
the first one at Iowa State to, to, to stop the 15 years of losing and the embarrassment and the humiliation, that was unbelievable. Um, at Iowa, um, any time that we were able to get a victory and beat Iowa State, because we had such great respect for the coaches and the players and the university, they were all great. Um, I think in 2002, really one of the most memorable, memorable ones, guys, the Hawks went undefeated in the Big Ten that year. We were down 24-7 to at half. It felt like 44-7. to It felt like it was that bad at halftime. And Seneca Wallace led our comeback. We got four second-half turnovers. We ended up winning the game. And Iowa did not lose a game in the Big Ten that year. Uh, as you guys remember, they, they went on and had a phenomenal season. But that was one of the great comebacks that I was ever a part of in, in the history of college football, not only Iowa, Iowa State, but in college football. So great memories. Um, love them. Respect um, both schools. Uh, my wife and my children don't have any idea. I've never told them. I've never said a word. They have no idea who I cheer for during that game now that I'm retired. But I do miss coaching in that game because it's just so special. And thankfully, most of the country, if not all the country now, realizes there are two great schools, two great universities, two great football programs. And now it's one of the great rivalries in college football. That leads me into my follow-on question, Coach. Do you have difficulty with your rooting interest in the Cyhawk? And then are you, are you worried with the conference realignment that the rivalry will disappear again? Yeah, no, I don't. I don't know. I, I, I love cheering for both teams. I love both schools. Um, I, I would never I would have had the life that I had had Hayden Fry not given me the opportunity to go there. Um, I, I played in Iowa. I grew up in Iowa City. I spent 36 years there. My dad was chief of police. My mom worked at the dental school for 30 years. There was a scholarship at the University of Iowa Dental School named after her. Uh, my roots are Iowa City. I love it. I'm proud of it. Um, I organized a 50-year reunion for my city high, Iowa City City High football reunion a couple of years ago. Um, we won a championship for the first time in almost two decades. So long before the, the, the turnaround with Hayden Fry at Iowa, uh, we did it at Iowa City, City High, which a lot of people go, well, big deal, big deal. Well, the, the, the varsity, when we were sophomores at City High, didn't win a game. Winless. Ridiculous. The worst high school program in the state of Iowa. Two years later, we won the state champ. We, we, we won the Mississippi Valley Conference. And unfortunately, they didn't start the playoffs till the next year. Unfortunately, they didn't start the Iowa Shrine game until either the next year or two years after that. So um, we didn't get a chance to be a part of that. But those were the times, those those unbelievable rivalries are so much fun. And I really miss them because um, Iowa and Iowa State are these two phenomenal universities, two great schools, two of the great coaches in all of college football. One been there a lot longer than the other, but Kirk Ferentz and Matt Campbell are elite coaches and elite mentors and elite winners, uh, obviously. And uh, so I really miss that. But I really appreciated all those opportunities to coach in those games and be on both sides of it. I, I never kept track of all that stuff, guys. I never did. And then some media guys got back to me in recent years, told me that I was 15 and 10 in the 25 games that I coached. Those 15 damn wins are a lot more fun than those 10 losses. I can tell you that. I can tell you that. But one way or another, you have to move on with the season when this game is over. But embrace it, enjoy it, be proud of it, and know that so many years later you're going to be so excited to relive those memories, especially if you won that game. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much. So we got a question from uh, Chris Shipley here. He kind of runs Three Beards Media. I'm sure you're familiar, maybe familiar with Chris, but 
We had Jermaine Billups, one of your former players, on Side of the Storm earlier this week. And he talked about the Insight Bowl and how when he ran a pump back, he wasn't even supposed to be in the game at that point. And we were just <laughs> curious if that's what you remember about that Insight Bowl and that punt that he ran back as well. Uh, or do you kind of remember a different version of the story? No, that's exactly right. He not only wasn't supposed to be in the game as a backup, he was our number three guy. <laughs> he was our third punt return guy. So we end up going to play in the University of, of Pittsburgh. Um, uh, phenomenal. They had a great team that year. Um, we, we took down incredible amount. We, we saved the bowl. That's what John Junker told me that used to run the Fiesta Bowl and ran that same bowl and said we saved that bowl because of the Iowa State fans. The Iowa State fans saved that bowl and saved the, the attention uh, of, of that bowl game because we brought so many people down. And between twenty five and 30,000, uh, Walt Harris was the head coach at the University of Pittsburgh. They had a hell of a team, uh, really good players, many few future NFL guys. But we got into the game, hard fought, tough. The sparks are flying, hell of a game, going back and forth. We're fighting. We're trying to win the first bowl game in 100 years in the history of Iowa State football. No team had ever done that. Earl Bruce had been to two bowl games, lost them both. Johnny Majors had been to two bowl games, lost them both. So I'm going in there, and we're, it's over 100 years now since they've been playing football at Iowa State University. No football team had ever won a bowl game. And I'm going, wouldn't it be fun to be part of history? How about that? Wouldn't that be cool? Let's. What, how about the rest of your lives? You tell your kids and your grandkids, you won the first bowl game and you contributed and you did everything you could. Wouldn't that be something else? So we get into the game. J.J. Moses, who had a phenomenal career, great career, went on to play in the NFL for six, seven years, guys. Too small, too little, too feeble, not tough enough, not big enough. His dad was Jerry Moses, the most recruited uh, player in the history of Iowa high school football, and he got hurt at Iowa State and didn't play very much because of injuries. J.J. came out, and you know who we beat to get him? No one. Nobody recruited J.J. except us because I knew what he had inside of him. J.Mo gets knocked out of the game. He didn't know what town he was in. He didn't know what state he was in. He didn't know what game he was playing in. It was one of those shots that he was really knocked out. We had a backup pump return guy named Adam Runk from Stillwater, Minnesota that was a tremendous player, great safety, heck of a defensive back, contributed a lot. He flips an ankle the series before we get that punt return. So now it's Jermaine Billups and Mike Woodley. We mentioned the Woodley family a little bit ago. I got Woody in charge of the punt return team. And I said to Woody on the phone, hey, listen, we got our third guy in there. Jermaine's a heck of a player. I trust him, but just take care of the ball. Take care of the ball. He's going to go back and catch the punt. I'm just saying, take care of the ball. That's all I care. Take care of the ball. So I must have said it about 15 times before they punt the ball. Take care of the ball. Take care of the ball. Take care of the ball. Jermaine Billups gets it. We get about six, seven phenomenal blocks. He's coming right down our sideline. And next thing I'm screaming is, take it to the house. Take it to the house. <laughs> Instead of take care of the ball. Instead of take care of the ball, take it to the house. He took it all the way back for a touchdown. And that's one of the big plays in that victory that we got in the first bowl win in 100 years. But he not only was our not our starter, he was not our second. He was our third guy. But uh, he did a great job on that play. The blocks were phenomenal. Great execution by that team. And and, uh, and great faith in uh, the, the great job that Mike Woodley did. He used to be a punt return guy for North Northern Iowa and did a great job with all those guys. And when you get the chance to make a play, 
go make it. And that's what Jermaine Billups did. That's a great story, Coach. That's fantastic stuff. We've hit halftime here, fellas. Let's hear a word from our sponsor, Revelton Distillery. At Revelton Distilling Company, everyone has become a part of the Revelton family. From the Taylors and their daughter who helped perfect their award-winning gins, to the team who installed Lucy, our 33-foot-tall custom-made still, right down to the local farms that provide our coveted corn, and even the cows on those farms who consume our mash byproduct. Want to see the farm to flask come to life? Now you can tour Lucy and find out where we take Iowa's harvest and transform it into our finest spirits. Choose between a 45-minute tour or find out even more by scheduling a VIP behind-the-scenes tour to get the taste of the full Revelton experience. You can visit them at 1400 West Clay Street in Osceola, Iowa, or find all of Revelton's award-winning spirits at any local grocery or spirits retailer. All right, guys, we're back from halftime with Cyhawk legend coach Dan McCarney. We are here on third down, Coach. Uh, what did you see last week from Iowa and Iowa State's performance? Uh, and I know you're not one for game predictions, but what do you see as the keys to the game Saturday? Yeah, I, I, I thought both teams uh, did a lot of really, really good things. Um, as you guys know real well, um, Northern Iowa and Mark Farley, whether they play Iowa Iowa State, they're always the motivation of that team and that coaching staff is going to be as strong and as big as anybody you'll play all season long. Obviously it's always been that way. When I took the job at Iowa state, I think Northern Iowa would beat Iowa state twice or two or three times. Uh, I never let it happen because I made sure anybody that touched our program understood they could beat our ass and you better respect them. And anybody that was a part of our program or even close to our program or, or uh, touched our program, they understood that and they respected him. And so we never lost to him. We always played real well against him. That's not always been the case. Um, but Iowa State came out. They, uh, I, I thought they're watching Iowa State play. I thought uh, their special teams were the best they'd been since Matt Campbell took the job. Our, our special teams at Iowa State have been up and down. Uh, okay, average, below average. Um, not many times where I'd say it was really outstanding in the years that Matt's been there and the great job he's done. But Special teams, frankly, have not been a great strength of the Cyclones. They were Saturday. That was really, really impressive. I thought the speed and the skill at the skill positions at Iowa State were really impressive. I know Matt really feels great about the last two freshman classes, the class a year ago and the class that he's got right now. Um, uh, defensively, they're going to be always really good. Um, uh, they got athletes. They got toughness. They got a scheme. Um, and Utah State uh, really had struggled, obviously, moving the football. Um, but it was still a, a, a team that was in a bowl game a year ago, I believe, and and uh, and, and, and they came in there really motivated. Uh, but Iowa State was in control. They were in control. There was no doubt who the better team was. Um, uh, excuse me, I'm talking about Northern Iowa and, and Iowa State. There was no doubt who the better team was. Now, Utah State and Iowa um, – um, uh, Iowa always plays great defense. They always play really good with their special teams. All the Hawk fans are used to that, and they understand that, and they expect that. Uh, the quarterback position, I thought, was a major upgrade from what's been happening lately. Um, I love the place. I care about it. I, I appreciate it. Um, I, I, that's my alma mater, uh, but I'm not going to sugarcoat things. The quarterback play hasn't been nearly as good as it needs to be. I was there with some great quarterbacks at the University of Iowa in my, in my tenure and my times with Hayden Fry. I was lucky. I was with Chuck Long. I was with Chuck Hartley. 
uh, incredible quarterbacks. And that's kind of what you expect. Mark Blastic went on to have many years in the NFL. That's kind of what you expect when you have that. And that's not what it's been. But the transfer from Michigan that's come in, done a heck of a job. I think part of it was probably because he's Irish. There's a mix there to him. He's probably because he's Irish. But I was really impressed with him. Uh, I was physical. They're well coached. Um, the offensive line looked much better to me than it did a year ago, which is always a strength. But I don't know that that was the case last year. It's always a strength at Iowa. Uh, one of the great offensive line coaches I was ever around. I got to spend a decade with Kirk Ferentz. He's one of the great offensive line coaches I'd ever been around in, in all my career. And that includes, I think, 20 or 21 bowl games and a national championship. He's one of the great offensive line coaches. So that's what you expect. I don't think that's what it was last year. We won last year because we took care of the ball most of the time. We had one of the great defenses in college football, and we had incredible special teams. That's how we won. It just looked a little bit different the other day. Uh, I think we've got a much better a chance now with the pieces that we have in place offensively at Iowa. Um, and I, I think it's going to be a great matchup. Um, both schools have upgraded their facilities. Iowa used to dominate Iowa State. It used to be a no contest. It used to be a different world facility-wise. When I took the job at Iowa State, I had some of my great friends that came in that were my teammates at Iowa, and they looked around and they said, Mac, the facilities at my high schools in Iowa were better than what you have here at Iowa State. It wasn't a stretch. It wasn't an exaggeration. It was the truth. Now, that was, that's not any truth. Any, it's not true anymore. Uh, and being a, going through all the facilities of both schools, they both have incredible facilities. The atmosphere, uh, which you bring young men in to evaluate and look and their families and their parents and everybody that has a chance to impact that decision. They see first class facilities, atmosphere, along with these big time coaching staff. So I just think it's going to make for a, gate, a great game. Um, um, you, ne you, you know, you, you find out more and more about your teams each week that you play. They've only played one game each, uh, Iowa State against Northern Iowa, Iowa against Utah State. But I think it's going to be a really, really fun game to watch. And uh, I think the Iowa State and Iowa fans are going to be in for a really special football game again. Yeah, that old adage that we've talked about, the biggest improvement for every team is from week one to week two. Is that something that you believe in? Um, is that really true or is that something that football people have kind of just made up? No, I think it's true, guys. I mean, you can only practice and scrimmage so many times. The scrimmaging's way down from what it used to be. There are no more two-a-days. I remember my freshman year at the University of Iowa, 19, the fall of 1971, we had 24 days of two-a-days. No exaggeration. I remember it like it was yesterday. That's something you never forget, guys. 24 days and both, pra oh, both practices were in pads. There was no walkthroughs. There were no shorts practices. There were no half pack, which means shoulder pads, helmets, and shorts. You just put the pads on and you went. 24 days as a freshman. And I'm thinking, I don't know if I can hold up to all this. I'm not ready. I don't know if I'm ready for all this. It was hard. It was tough. And the old, uh, yeah, you know, we all used to have to walk through three miles of snow and dog crap to get to school and all that. <laughs> That's a true story now about the two of days. I'll never forget that. Um, but, but, it, it, you can only do so much to replicate a game. Two-minute inside drills, seven-on-seven, seven, end of the half, end of the game, two, uh, uh, red zone, all the things you have to emphasize. Um, 
uh, uh, last second field goal. You don't have any timeouts. Get your field goal team on there. Kick the game. Kick the game winning field. All those that you can you can replicate it and orchestrate it and try and do it. But then nothing like a game. This is different. The fans are in the stands. Different colored jerseys. Different tempo. Different coaches. You know, it's just it's, so until you get a game, then you start finding out a little bit more. And now both those teams, like any team that played last week knows so much more strengths and weaknesses, good and bad. It should never, ever, ever dictate the kind of season that you're going to have, whether you won or you lost, but you sure have a lot better feeling, guys, about your team and how they responded and how they reacted, and especially with the young guys. You know for the most part if you've had juniors, seniors, redshirt juniors, redshirt seniors, redshirt up, they've been out there and they've been in the battles and they've been out there and played in the toughest of times and battle adversity and overcame it and handled success. Those young guys, you just never really know that have never played until you get in a game. And then you build on it, you correct, you critique, and you move on and try and get better the next time. But I don't know that I, I couldn't tell you that every single time that was the most improvement we made. But I know most of the time from game one to game two, if you're not improving and if there's not usually tremendous dramatic improvement, uh, you're probably not doing the things you need to with your football team. Yeah, that's a that's a great answer. All right, let's go to let's go to fourth down. And so our last question for you, we've talked about it a little bit earlier in the show. You talked about how Iowa was bad before Hayden got there. Iowa City West was bad when you were there. Um, Iowa City City High. City High. Oh, sorry, City High. Yeah, don't be screwing that West. one up now. Yeah, I finished, I finished. I, I finished three and zero against West High. We never lost that game ever. We oh, started right. this. Yeah, my apologies. I messed up there. But uh, <laughs> and Iowa State was bad when you took over there. So you have a, a great reputation as a program builder. What do you think are the keys to building up a program that is maybe not had the most success? What? How do you go from that? You know, you kind of losing a lot to success what are yeah you- i was no it's a great question i and, and you know I, we, we, I won't go on with all the things but there's some basic things guys iowa had lost for two decades when hayden fry came in so i watched it from the very first day that he took the job uh i went in and interviewed in bump elliott's office hayden interviewed all the staff that was there before and bob Cummings staff um 15 minutes into the interview he goes mac what do you think about being my tight end coach for $18,000. I about crapped on the spot. I had no idea. I had the least amount of experience, had no thoughts that I was going to be kept on that staff. Thank God he did. He gave me this unbelievable opportunity. Um, We went from losing and losing for two decades to Rose Bowl, Peach Bowl, Gator Bowl, uh, a Freedom Bowl, Rose Bowl, Holiday Bowl, Holiday Bowl, Gator Bowl, uh, 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 Peach Bowl. I mean, it was just an unbelievable run, just incredible. But it all started with Hayden Fry and then surrounding himself with people that were really motivated and were coachable and would follow his plan. And then we went to Wisconsin. You know, we won the first year up there, guys? One game, one game. But we always thought, if you can win in the state of Iowa and you have Iowa and Iowa State battling over all the top recruits and you have less population in Iowa than you do in Wisconsin, why the hell can't you win at Wisconsin? So three or four short years later, we're, we win the Rose Bowl for the first time in 100 years in Wisconsin football. And because of the success of those two programs, I got a chance to be a head coach. And then I got a chance to go into Iowa State. 
And when the program is winless, guys, let me just tell you something. I won't go on and on. When a program is winless, there's so many things behind the scenes that are so bad that reflect in a record. So many things. The good news is we had really good people. We had Iowa people, state of Iowa people. We had Iowa State fans that were incredible, but there was no consistent commitment to excellence. And it was the, 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 the atmosphere there was, was really bad, and the morale stunk. But it's so fun when you do something that hasn't been done in a long time. So how do you do those kind of things? And then when I went to South Florida, we went to number two in the country. We won nine. We went 30-2 and two, my first 32 games with Urban Meyer at Florida. Won a national championship. Got to hold that crystal ball. Because of that success, I got to go be a head coach at North Texas. They were in the bottom five or bottom ten when I got there. And in 2013, we won nine. and won a, uh, We played in the Heart of Dallas Bowl and the Cotton Bowl. That was so cool. And one of the one of only two or three wins, uh, bowl games in the history of that school. How do you do that? First of all, you've got to have a stubborn insistence on pursuing your dreams and goals. You need to be the ray of hope as a head coach because everybody on the outside is going to say, eh, no way, baby. But you have to you have to be the ray of hope. Complacency can be a disease in sports, in football, and in life. Don't let it be that. I, I always was so proud, regardless of the past, regardless of the past, you have to believe in what you can be today, tomorrow, and the next day, and what we can become. And then go in there with energy, go in there with dreams, go in there with courage, and say, listen, it's so fun to do something that's never been done, or may hasn't, may not have been done in a long, long, long time. And then realize, guys, that Outside expectations don't have a damn thing with what you do every day. Nothing. Has nothing to do with it. Could care less about all that stuff. And then when you do things that have never been done before or haven't been done in a long time, let me tell you something. I might be gone next week. I might be gone in a month. I'm 70 years old. I don't know how much time I got. But I'll always look back. I'll always be so proud of doing some things and being a small part of these programs where we hadn't there there hadn't been anything special done in such a long 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 times and then we really did this we tried to master the things with our guys that takes no talent hard work toughness mental toughness being coachable uh maximum maximum relentless effort that's got nothing to do with talent those are things that you control as an athlete and and then when you can do those things, it's just so much fun. It's just so much fun. But I'll always cherish my years in Iowa and Iowa State. I will always be proud to be from the state of Iowa. I've been in Sarasota now for a long time. We've owned a home down here since 2000. Little did I know I was going to be coaching in Tampa and in Gainesville uh, during my career when we had a house here. But it's just something really special to be from the state of Iowa. And if you've never worked there, you never lived there, you never coached there, you never played there, you sometimes just don't get it. But all of us that have, we know it's one of the great places in America to live. Well, well you, look, you look damn never, good for 70 sorry. years old. No, it's okay. You look damn good for 70 years old, Coach. I just need to get that off. <laughs> yeah. You might need some new contacts. <laughs> I just uh, I just want to say I've never played a down of football in my life, but I'm ready to go strap up the pads right now just listening to you talk. Yeah, well, it's, uh, an honor to, it's an honor to be with you guys and to be a part of this and the incredible memories that I was a part of for those 25 times I got to coach in this game. Um, I, there's a lot of things I miss, a few things I don't, but a lot of things I do miss. 
and not being able to walk on those sidelines of this game and be a part of it. Uh, thank God I had the honor of doing that for 25 times. And I'll be cheering like crazy for both teams this weekend and, and know that uh, America hopefully is going to be watching two of the great programs in college football. Thank you so much for your time. We just, both of us just really appreciate it and just appreciate all the insight and wisdom that you've shared with us in the last 45 minutes. And uh, usually we put up some clips, but I don't know how I'm going to cut any of this out because you've just given me, given us just really just so much good stuff. Um, so just appreciate it. Thank you so much. Uh, Drew, anything you want to ask coach before we give him his time back uh, uh, final buzzer question coach you went kind of went through your your resume your coaching resume and you circled back to north texas and to most people it might seem like a random blip stop right but that's where coach fry came from when he went to the university of iowa right sure was he left north texas and went to the university of iowa and um when i i didn't know if i was their top guy or their 10th guy really honestly like it was when I interviewed at Iowa State with Gene Smith, who's the retiring AD over at Ohio State. He's the one that hired me at, at Iowa State. When Rick Villarreal contacted me about um, um, the, the, the job at North Texas, I'd, I'd had some other opportunities and some other calls and things. I just didn't feel like it was right. But uh, one of the first things they sent me was a video of Mean Joe Green, who played at North Texas, and Hayden Fry talking about the future of North Texas football and the new stadium that they were going to be opening, that they were building. And they needed the right guy to come back there and to lead that because it was so bad and they'd lost um, so many games and the morale was so bad and there was no winning and no success and no sustained success. And what are you going to do? Say no to Hayden Fry. What are you going to do? Say no to mean Joe Green. When I was an assistant, I was a coordinator. I was coached the defensive line. Um, Right when I was the last time I was a, a defensive line coach was in Florida. We won the national championship against Bobby Stoops in Oklahoma uh, in the national championship game. And so I had this unbelievable respect as a defensive line coach for as good as defensive line that ever played. That's mean Joe Green. And he's on a video and he's talking and he's talking about North Texas and what a great place it is. So uh, no regrets whatsoever. Um, I'll always be proud of what we did and and brought some winning back there, and it was, a, it was a lot of fun. But this tie that we all had with Hayden Fry, um, you know, there's a lot of coaching staffs, a lot of head coaches that have been so successful, but I just really love it when anybody gives Hayden Fry credit for giving all of us the opportunities that we've had and any of the successes that any of us had because he saw things in each of us that none of us saw in ourselves. Many of us were really young, and I'll shut up, but Kurt Ferentz and I, neither one of us, Neither one of us at 22 and 24 years old should have been offensive and defensive line coaches in the Big Ten. Are you kidding me? But Hayden saw those things in us, and he said, you know what? I'm going to keep a foot up their ass, but I think I got the right guys right here, and I'm going to give them those opportunities, and thank God that he did. Thank you so much time for your coach today. We'll talk soon, okay? We'll let you go. All right, guys. Have a great night. Thanks. You too. With that, we will go ahead and just hear a word from our sponsor, Kyle Lehman at Wintrust Mortgage, and then come back and wrap it up. Are you in the market for a new house and unsure of the mortgage process? Want to know that you have someone looking out for you? Kyle Lehman from Wintrust Mortgage is a down-to-earth, knowledgeable lender who can be there for you in your corner. He can work with you in any of the 50 states and is just what you need to expand your home search. 
Kyle will work with you through the entire process with little to no work from you. Take the worry of the mortgage process out of the equation so that you can focus on looking for your dream home. Contact Kyle at www.wintrust.com forward slash Kyle dash Lehman or call him at 515-473-0546. Welcome back in. Um, wow, Drew. I I don't know what to say after that interview. I just feel like that was uh, probably the best 45 minutes we've had on this show so far. Um going to be really hard to top so i usually in my final cut segment i usually have something really great and really profound to say um but i I think this is going to be i don't know how deep we want to go into every aspect of this weekend's game i don't know if we need to go with a position by position breakdown or anything major like that um but i do think that there's a, a lot of potential for this to be a good weekend for hawk fans um, we have Nick Brooks, uh, the class of 2025, announcing his potential commitment to Iowa tomorrow at 1.30. Iowa's in his top five, along with some other schools. Um, but Iowa's in the top five. And that could kick off what could be a good weekend. I went on Old Man's Strength last night, and I said Iowa was going to win 27-13, to 13, and that Iowa State was going to add in a late touchdown I'm not going to waver on that here tonight. So I'm going to go ahead and stick to my guns and say, I was going to win 27 to 13. Brian's going to get his 25 points. And I think it's going to be the result of some defensive touchdowns or maybe the defense just setting the offense up in a good enough position to where Cade and the guys can take advantage in the red zone, which was something that was kind of a positive from last week when they had their opportunities in the red zone. They took full advantage. They executed. They didn't squander those opportunities from the 20 on in. They they turned it into touchdowns. So I think that's something that's going to continue. And uh, that's why I see it the way that I do. So I heard you call out my uh, prediction from our, pre- or our preseason uh, yeah. pod, our, our minus one episode, which is now really episode one. Uh, I'm still going to go with it. I'm, I still think that they're going to kick Iowa State's ass, and and for two reasons. One, I I don't see the op- we've seen 45 plays of offense from the Iowa State offense last last week against you and I. We still don't have an identity. Excuse me, they still don't have an identity of who they are on offense, and I think I think they're going to find a problem here in the Power Five Cyhawk Week. They're going to have a problem moving the ball on the Hawks all day. Um, and second, K McNamara is the best quarterback in the game. You know, 80% K McNamara is the best player, and we have him. So with that being said, I'm going to say 24-10 Hawks and keeping that keeping that under alive of 36.5 for those betting folks out there. Uh, it, I'm going to have some action on that for sure. Yeah, I'm going with the slight over, and I just think, again, it's probably just the result of defensive score that's going to make that over hit. So – I'm proud of you for sticking to your guns. I didn't really mean to speak for you last night, so my apologies there if I did. I thought maybe after your reaction to last week's game, you might be uh, a little more hesitant, but um, good to see you sticking to your guns. Yeah, I think um, it's not going to be a similar situation to last year. I mean, you look at last year, 
12 for 26, 92 yards, and a pick from Spencer Petrus. What a turd. I, what a turd I, of a game. I mean, I Iowa State's defense is pretty good. I will I will say that. And I do think they'll keep this game relatively close um, until maybe a couple of late scores change things, make it look a little bit less close. But, yeah, I don't think it's going to be something that Cade struggles to that level. I, I will I, I will say this with my with my final thought, and then I'll let you uh, wrap it up, Andrew. I think the first quarter is going to look a lot like the first quarter of Utah State. I think those first ten to fifteen scripted plays are, are going to get an early ten point ten nothing lead in the first quarter, and it's going to look like we're going to route them twenty seven nothing. But I'm with you on the late touchdown. That's not really going to matter for Iowa State. Sake, you know, the final score looks closer than the game indicates, but. I, no. I think I think the first quarter for the Hawkeyes is the, is the biggest part of the game. I just hope all the fans are in the stadium by the first quarter. <laughs> Get I, just, I mean, there's it was a logistical nightmare last week, and I don't want to get political on this show or too deeply political. But there's going to be some presidential candidates in attendance. It's just going to cause more logistical issues than normal. Right, because you're gonna have people pulling up to the game that aren't really there for the game; they're there to see political candidates, and so it's gonna become a little bit of a sideshow. And I think that's really just a good reason to watch the game at home, which is what I'll do. And then we will all we will go live together after the results of the game. Hopefully, a happy reaction. Because I don't know if the world's ready to see me get angry on live TV. <laughs> um, but it, with that being said, we thank you all for listening. We thank Coach McCartney for coming on and all of our guests. Drew, thank you for doing this. It's been a pleasure through these first few weeks. And uh, we just hope to keep it rolling. So um, with that being said, we wish you all a good night. And we will see you Saturday after the game. Yes, sir. Go Hawks.